0: Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for everything. We know you're working all things without exception together for our good, that uh, as we love you and, and uh, seek even a closer relationship um, in our own experience, day by day, hour by hour, uh, that uh, we can have this great confidence that you are the one who is uh orchestrating you've engineered the whole plan and it's not just a plan not including individual persons but you even included us father god thank you for including us sinners uh thank you for intersecting with our lives to draw us to yourself and uh, thank you for working day by day and hour by hour not only in our lives, but around us in those around us to provide opportunities for testimony, opportunities for for witness and opportunities for fellowship with others that know you and love you, Father. So we thank you so much for that. Thank you for our dear families. Thank you for working uh, in and through uh, them in various ways and that you've provided Uh, opportunity down through the years to reach out uh, with what you've blessed us with to reach out to them and to be a witness some who may still not be saved father may still not have believed and we just thank you for these opportunities though the times may be very difficult when uh, the opportunity arises such as health uh, issues that dominate and bring us even to the point of death. We thank you for those that very powerfully write concerning the word and its proper understanding. And for this uh, two minutes with the Bible, giving a testimony, really, uh, that's so important. And may we all give that testimony. First, that you would work in our hearts understanding that we're always in need of. And then May your grace be manifested not only in our lives, but in our words and everything we say, the way we say it, uh, that others might be influenced, Father, by your precious word of truth. And, uh, Father, it's such a blessing to have that word of truth and, and to really be free of uh other forces external forces that would of course not want us ever to speak boldly and may even uh, uh, use the means of government to eliminate our freedoms and we know that's been true through human history uh, certainly also here in this country but less so here than in many places so father i i pray that the message of liberty, uh, how this nation was founded, how it's given the opportunity for believers down through the years to uh, be bold here and to have a witness here and also around the world as missionaries are sent forth uh, from this land of liberty. So, Father, I just pray that you'd preserve our liberty. May the leaders of our nation not make uh, decisions uh, that are contrary to that liberty and its founding principles here in the Constitution. So Father, uh, pray that you would limit them, guide them, direct them as they seek to lead us even further down the path of tyranny. And Father, may we always keep this in the right perspective that we may not lose the hope that's eternal that you so greatly blessed us with. May we rest and not be anxious concerning the times in which we live. And may we always have a word to share with others concerning your precious and wonderful love and grace through our precious savior, the Lord Jesus. So Father, bless us now as we gather together and open your word. And we would thank you in Christ's name and amen. Amen. Okay. So, what we're doing is taking four Sundays to give an overview of the major themes within the the second letter of the Corinthians. The major themes are uh, ones that uh, are so important to us. So, the major theme that we're looking at today follows the one we looked at last time. Last time, the major theme was critical issues in corinth that still dominate today and those three themes that we looked at were carnality in other words uh, living in the realm of the flesh rather than the spirit it was a major theme in corinth as you know and uh it's certainly a major theme today too the second one that we looked at last time was how compromise just changes one's whole perspective on truth such a way that uh, truth eventually is uh, no longer present in thinking and and in our convictions, in our faith, right? Compromise leads to uh, the destruction of the truth of God and its power. And thirdly, how satanic influences are very, very subtle and it can easily lead us uh, away from uh, the, from everything that's godly, really. Uh, satanic influences are dominating in the world, but because of the nature of the world system with its religious, different uh, religious doctrines, uh, the satanic side of the influence may be covered up and uh, many may be offering themselves as examples of righteousness rather than, in fact, uh, the instruments of Satan which is really common everywhere. And we see it in the world around us just um, being magnified daily. Today, though, I want us to look at Paul's defense regarding his apostleship. His defense regarding his apostleship. There were false teachers um, in Corinth. They presented themselves as apostles. And they diminished Paul's apostleship or just simply denied it. Claimed that he was a false apostle and they were the true. And uh, he doesn't just let that pass. He, in many places in the letter, addresses that subject. Maybe even, as some would say, to an extreme. In fact, the false teachers considered Paul's defense of his apostleship to be the evidence that he was not a true apostle because they claimed that his constant focus on this subject revealed his waging war according to the flesh, and so even uh, uh, refutes uh, their accusations directly by using that very language, saying we do not wage war according to the flesh but only according to the spirit. And so black has changed to white, white to black, righteousness to unrighteousness, unrighteousness is presented as righteousness. That's the nature of Satan's work. And that was a very major uh, problem that Paul faced uh, as he wrote these letters to Corinth. But the question is a bigger one than whether paul is an apostle of christ the question is actually far bigger than that and there are other aspects to it that uh, paul reveals so clearly in this letter and i want to uh, begin today by making an, an introduction well if it's a larger issue than simply whether paul is an apostle what is the aspect of this that we may have missed, okay? Many have missed this. Today, in the Protestant faith, but one could include other branches of uh, Christendom as well, right? Uh, Those are clearly cults, could be included in this, but many accept the apostleship of of, uh, of Paul. They don't deny that at all. They simply claim that Paul was uh, just uh, just another apostle and in fact the 13th you could add him to the 12 right so 13 apostles and not only 12 and Paul's just one of many that is in fact the common view within uh, Christianity but it is not a view that that's compatible with uh, Paul's letters Because Paul makes it very clear he is not only an additional apostle. Certainly, he was another apostle. And yes, he was the 13th. (laughs) But that doesn't say enough to agree with all the teaching Paul gives in his letters. And I'll prove that to you quickly by looking at a few verses. Uh, First of all, though, rather than look at 2 Corinthians, which we will do, but first of all, in Galatians <clears throat> chapter Two, and if you'd turn there, please, there's some verses there that uh, we have to read and uh, hopefully come to understand because they're so very, very important uh, <clears throat> so Galatians chapter two uh, verse one I'll read a few of these verses for you uh Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation, and that's an amazing thing. He went up by revelation to to Jerusalem and communicated unto them that gospel, that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. In other words, the issue was the gospel and the content of it not something else, not something less important, something of utmost importance, the gospel itself. So he says, I went up by revelation. We're talking about to Jerusalem. Well, who's in Jerusalem? It isn't a bunch of unbelievers acting as if they're Christians. It's Peter, James, John, and so forth, right? The apostles, the 12, right? So he says, I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which i preach among the gentiles but privately to them which were of reputation in other words we're talking about james and peter okay lest by any means i should run or had run in vain now many try to say oh so paul was not clear as to what the gospel was he wanted to make sure that he was really preaching the true gospel that's not an acceptable explanation of these words at all you can see that from how he goes on here if if that were the, the issue he would have gone humbly and would have asked them the truth as to what the true gospel was and would have adjusted his gospel accordingly based upon whatever they told him but the issue was works <laughs> and that's what was uh the center of attention in jerusalem And uh, so Paul really is instructing them about the gospel of the grace of God uh, independently of works. So that's what he says here. So he says, verse three, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So they wanted to force Titus, who is a Gentile, to be circumcised according to Moses law. Right. These are the believers in Jerusalem. Right. And verse four, he makes a very strong statement, and that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privily or secretly or stealthily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Okay, okay, so some had come to Antioch, where he and Barnabas were ministering and were, uh, they were false brethren, you see, here and there. Okay. And then he says in verse five, we didn't submit to them. Okay. To whom we gave place by subjection? No, not for an hour. Why? That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Okay. So there are false brethren about in Antioch. There are false brethren in, certainly in Corinth. And Paul is, uh, and then in Galatia and wherever. Uh, Paul went and ministered false uh, brethren, uh, followed him. Notice he doesn't say unbelievers. He says false brethren. Hmm, Okay. So they have a different perspective than Paul. Uh, They're brethren. Okay. Now, <laughs> he goes on. He says um, in in uh, verse 6, But of these who seem to be somewhat, Meaning the ones in charge, whosoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person, for they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me, so they they didn't uh contradict Paul when he gave them <clears throat> his testimony, it says. <clears throat> Instead, they came to an agreement, verse 7. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, so that's a gospel which he calls the gospel of the uncircumcision, uncircumcision referring to the Gentiles, right? And then on the other hand, as the gospel of the circumcision, or for the Jews, was unto Peter. Okay. So you see that there's a difference here noted, a very critical difference. Uh, Paul's gospel, he's preaching to the Gentiles, right? Uh, Peter and the others are preaching to the Jews. It's not just a different group listening or hearing or a different geographical location, it's actually the content because the issue was works such as circumcision and whether the works of the law were essential to salvation in some way. OK. OK. So now he goes on and explains this. He says Peter was effectual. In other words, Peter was by the power of God, the apostle of, this, of the circumcision, whereas Paul was By the power of God, it says in verse 8, apostle uh, of the Gentiles. And so then verse 9 shows the, the final agreement. When James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go to the heathen and they unto the uncircumcision. Okay well let's leave it at that uh, that's a mighty powerful and important teaching but you notice that um there had been the so-called great commission right uh in uh in, in the gospel accounts the great the great commission Matthew right uh that the 12 would go out first of all to Jerusalem then to Judea and so forth and then to the Gentiles and here we see the apostles, the 12, and their leaders agreeing not to do it. How can this be? Only if there's a change in the plan of God can this be, okay? Uh, Or they're out of the will of God now from then on. And you see little emphasis, little presence of the 12 apostles uh, after Acts 15. Um, only in Acts 21 is there a reference. So uh, you see that they disappear off the page. And the reason is uh, the focus is on the Apostle Paul, apostle of the Gentiles, with the gospel of the grace of God. And according to that gospel, the works of law are not a part. They do not uh, constitute a part at all. But that was not the case when... uh, in jerusalem just after the resurrection uh, the christ and his resurrection were preached boldly by james john peter and so forth and god did a mighty work there with the jews and uh, in accordance with the uh, fulfillment of certain aspects of the, the prophetic program for israel um, so Paul defends his apostleship, not just as an additional apostle, but as the apostle of the Gentiles. Um, well, the apostles in Jerusalem kept sending people out. <laughs> uh, sadly, they went contrary to the will of God in that respect. And uh, James, at least, sent, sent some out and they went even as far as Corinth and caused some significant problems there that Paul had to address, and that's why we read here in Galatians about that. All right, so we see that uh, this is a very important issue. Paul was given the apostleship for the Gentiles with the message, with the teaching, with the revelation concerning the unlimited grace of God that God is. Uh, he is ministering today and so today for example for jews to be saved they have to come as gentiles they have to come without a covenant uh, relationship already established uh, that covenant relationship has been set aside and now god reaches out to all equally neither jew nor greek there is no division no no difference there from god's point of view and that will not always be true as soon as the church is raptured then again the program switches back with israel the focus and the jews the focus and god will fulfill his prophetic program then for israel with an earthly kingdom and earthly promises uh that they will be so blessed by because that's what God had promised to them and he will keep his promises. And we will have our heavenly inheritance uh, as has been promised to us. Okay, that's the introduction I wanted to give because that underlies then what we find here in 2 Corinthians. Um, today there are uh, four points we're going to make rather quickly, because when Paul defends his apostleship in this letter to the Corinthians, he does so in four different ways. First of all, he reveals his predicament. The predicament was that his apostleship was under direct attack by evil ones in Corinth. Under direct attack, so that was the predicament. It was an incredible challenge to him to deal with it constantly, it seemed. And not only in Corinth, he had to deal with it in in Rome, in in uh, Ephesus, in um, Philippi, Galatia, and so forth and so on. Right. So that was his predicament. His apostleship was under attack. Secondly, he gives his defense and his defense is not what you would expect it's not like what he gave in galatia as we just read where he very directly deals with the subject at hand Um, no in corinth uh, it was a different situation he defended himself by saying that his words and his word His words, plural, the very words he spoke to the Corinthians or wrote to them in letters, and his word in general, uh, created living letters in Corinth. This was the work of God to use Paul's word and his words to transform sinners. The church in Corinth was a living letter. That's an amazing statement. So that's that's how Paul defends uh, his apostleship was by saying, remember, and look at yourselves, right? Uh, The third thing is that he focuses on himself. He gives his own testimony of service with suffering. Now, everywhere he went, he suffered for the sake of the gospel of grace, right? That marked his apostleship indelibly. And that was part of the overall defense, right? to look at his life, to see how he suffered as a result of uh, persecution and in other kinds of human trials, such as they were. And there were many, 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 and he gives a great list, long lists of them. The fourth thing is that um, he makes a promise, and that's that he's coming to Corinth. <laughs> you remember from the last couple of times where we looked into that uh, the promise, which was a major focus, it took several chapters just to review Paul's promise that he would come to Corinth, and when he did, his apostleship would be very clearly seen by all. So they better be ready. Okay. So first of all, his predicament, his apostleship was under attack. And uh if you turn to Second Corinthians eleven, I'm just going to pick a couple of verses out there for you that make it very clear how paul felt about the attacks that he was uh, being subject to by these false teachers right so 2nd corinthians 11 verse 10. i'll read a couple of verses for you there as the truth of christ is in me see that's language you take note of this language When Paul uses language like this, these are the words chosen by the Holy Spirit. These are inspired words, right? As the truth of Christ is in me. Okay. In other words, he's not grasping for truth. Somehow, seeking for truth, he has it. He's revealing it, right? As the apostle of the Gentiles. As the truth of Christ is in me. But then he says, no man shall stop me of this boasting. What's he going to boast of? Well, let's see. Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth. The previous verses mention why he's boasting. That's that he administered freely without cost to the Corinthians, whereas the false teachers charged for their services. Okay, and so he he highlights that difference. He was not at all like the false teachers. They're they're operating just in a worldly, carnal way. Uh, they're being paid a monthly stipend. He said, I ministered freely you charge you nothing (laughs) okay he says why did i do this because i don't love you so they're saying we love you so much pay pay what it costs to get this great teaching he's saying i love you and offer myself to you freely okay verse 12 but what i do that i will do that i may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion that wherein they glory They may be found even as we. So would they uh, maybe change their whole approach? It would be so wonderful if they did. And if they would start ministering like I do. And then he, he says it like it is. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. So they're not really apostles. They claim to be And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. So they're not righteous at all. They're just presenting themselves as such. Whose end shall be according to their works. In fact, their works are satanic. Not just a little wrong here and there. They're valid. Teachers, they've come from Jerusalem. They're, they've been taught by the apostles. They're they Listen to them, right? They have something important to add. No, he's saying, don't listen to them for a moment. Why does he make such strong statements? Because their teaching eroded the content of the gospel itself, okay? And the glories of God's wonderful grace. Okay, so then... Um, Skipping down towards the end of the chapter, he writes there in verse 30 about his own boasting. He says, if I must glory or if I must boast, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. Now, so this is the major theme. Next time we'll look at it again when we consider the, the teaching in Second Corinthians, the doctrine. But um, This verse says his infirmities is where he will put his focus, okay? And that's because his overriding theme in the whole letter is weakness made strong. Our weakness made strong by the power of God, right? That's how God works his grace in and through us, okay? And so that's extremely important to understand. Paul is very, very bold, but in the end, he has to exalt And glory in his weaknesses because it's through that not not that the false teachers have opportunity well they took a opportunity and accused paul of everything in the book right but it's through that that the lord chose to work and that's how he chooses to work through us do you see him working through your weaknesses do you are you willing to trust him to do that yeah, Paul says uh, that the Lord revealed to him that his grace was sufficient, okay? So, indeed, he wasn't going to take away the thorn in Paul's side. He was going to allow that to remain. Paul would be constantly uh, assaulted by false teachers and others who denied his apostleship. And so it was. But through it all, the Lord would reveal his great power and strength through who? through the the Apostle of the Gentile. OK, well, let's uh, continue on here in Chapter three. There are these amazing words and I would like Patty to read first of from Chapter 13, because you see <laughs> later on, he summarizes in just two verses what what chapter 3 is all about. So, and we'll look at chapter 3 uh, in a moment. But, uh, Patty, would you read uh, the summary statement in chapter 13, verses 3 and 4, please?
1: Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which, is, which to your word is not weak, but is mighty in you, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God
0: toward you. Okay, so please uh, read these verses over and over until uh, the truth expressed here is written on your heart. If you haven't already, and I'm sure many in our group have done this and are rejoicing according to this rich grace that's being Uh, shared so powerfully here so paul simply summarizes the the whole work of god under grace and really this is the mark of his apostleship see because the corinth he's writing to the corinthians they were transformed by the power of god through paul's preaching right and so the proof of his apostleship ultimately is how has god worked how has he worked he says here since he seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, so he's going to give him the proof, okay? Which toward you is not weak, but is mighty in you, in you, in you, where it's working now, right? Corinthians, take note. You know it's working in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. The resurrection of Christ is what's tra- changed everything, right? The resurrection of life of Christ Brought forth eternal life, which is now shared with each believer, right? Then he says, to summarize that, for we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. So, he says, we're all together in this. If there's any power in me, it's through my weakness. And that has been communicated. To you, you have the power of God dwelling in you, believers today spend much time countless books are written about how to get the power of God, how to get it? what do you have to do to get it? What do you have to say to get it? How do you do this or that in order to get the power of God? Countless books of false teaching about that when the truth is as simple as what Paul has written right here, okay. We have already the power of God dwelling within us. Okay, so go on. And I'd like Linda to read, because in the first three verses of chapter three, he very powerfully teaches this whole truth. So, Linda, those three verses, please. Second Corinthians chapter three.
1: Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some others Epistles of commendations to you, or letters of commendation from you. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of our hearts.
0: Amen. I'm hearing all these amens. Are you all shouting forth? Okay. So we, yes, but we do pray that the Lord would give us opportunity to testify, right? But then when he answers the prayer and we're face to face with the person, are we bold enough to share our testimony? Because he says here, we are living letters. Written by not not with ink or carved on stone like Moses' law was, right? No, written in the heart by the Holy Spirit. That's enough truth right there to change your whole life as far as your your view of of what it is to be a Christian, right? It's enough truth right there. That that's where where the answers are in verses like that, right? So we should be emboldened like Paul was to be to be bold for him. But if this is true, then it's through weakness that his strength is made manifest. Right. And therefore. You can also share that. How the Lord God, through your weakness, revealed his strength. How does he do that? He comforts us in times of trial, right? He gives us joy that no other could have under these circumstances apart from Christ, right? He gives us words of grace and truth to share uh, when we've just lost loved ones. He He is a blessing that others uh, wonder. In, they stand, some at least, the ones that have their hearts being opened by the Lord, They they stand in awe. And they see how we have lived in our circumstances of life. And that brings us to the third point today, which is that Paul, when he defended his apostleship, could make a list of how the Lord had worked through weakness and trial. And that would be as greater proof As uh, could be given in any other way, right? And that's what he does next year, is to give those lists. And there are three lists given in one letter of that, of how the Lord used Paul's weakness to manifest forth his great strength. And uh, I'd like to start out by having you look at at chapter 4, and we'll just read a couple of verses from there, and then we'll go on to chapter uh, six, where I'll uh, ask Sarah to read. But uh, in chapter four, verse one, he says, "Seeing therefore we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Uh, you know, without it we would surely faint. The times have been hard, right? <clears throat> we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty." Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Then verse five, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake, for God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And then he starts making the list. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And then he summarizes it in these uh, words that we should never forget. We which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Uh, That's uh, all we need to look at there. Read the rest of the chapter. The words are most wonderful, where he talks about how uh, everything is for our sakes, that we also might experience what he has through his weakness and through his suffering, right? Okay, and then he continues, and I think this, this kind of a list constitutes, from Paul's point of view, a great proof of his apostleship. So, uh, Sarah, would you please read for us Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10.
1: Then we, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time, behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offence in anything, that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience and afflictions, in necessities and distresses, in stripes and imprisonments, in tumults, in labours, in watchings and fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by longsuffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things.
0: Thank you, Sarah. So, How can anyone in Corinth hear these words read in front of the group from the letter and not agree Paul is the apostle of the Gentiles? The false teachers were suffering none of this because they'd use carnal means to avoid it, right? And what do we see in the world today as uh, the churches minister similarly in ways that are contrary, really, to the will of God? Hmm. Okay, so uh, we could go to chapter 11, though, and see another list uh, because he keeps making these lists. Verse 25, chapter 11. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness was paul the apostle of the gentiles absolutely and he boasts in his infirmities verse 30 if i must needs glory i will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities so it's not arrogance or self-serving uh boasting that paul writes this way it's to confirm and authenticate his apostleship the hand of God was upon him in his weakness made powerful before all that brings us to the end today Paul also writes here of how it might be when he finally arrives in Corinth and uh, I'd like uh, Lydia to read there for us chapter 10 uh, of Second Corinthians, and verses 7 through 11.
1: Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. For though I should boast some somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification, and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For his letters say that, for his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak, and his speech is contemptible. Let such a one think this, that such as we are inward by letters when we are absent, such will be also uh, indeed when we are present.
0: Thank you, Lydia. Thank you so much. So, so Paul says, uh, I'm coming to Corinth, and uh, you can see how my letters are. Even the false teachers say his letters are powerful. But they say his bodily presence is uh, something far different. But you will find uh, when I'm in your midst that it is otherwise than what they say. And it will be a powerful visit because the Lord will use me as your apostle. Praise God. And uh, so uh, (laughs) the the false teachers... uh, were able to accuse Paul of everything and make these bold statements, but there was no substance to their accusations because it was the power of God working through Paul in his weakness to bring forth the strength and power and glory of the Lord. And that's how I'd like us to stop today and to end us. Jerry, Jerry, if you'd read for us those five verses where in the first letter to the Corinthians, he writes about his Uh, coming to Corinth the first time and what it was like as the hand of God was upon him there. Jerry? And
1: I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of the power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of
0: God. Amen. amen. Thank you, Jerry. Oh, wow. So it says so much in chapter 10, verse 11 of Second Corinthians. He says, such as we are in word by letters when we are absent, Such will we be also indeed when we are present. And then in chapter 12, verse 21, and this will be our final statement today. When I come again, he says, may it not be, (laughs) but it may be, that when I come again, my God will humble me among you. And I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. In that case, the false teachers would have had no moral or ethical fruit in Corinth because if they're still unrepentant, uh, then God, he says, will humble me, I'm your apostle. He'll humble me in your midst, and I will, and this King James language is really, truly wonderful. I will bewail many. Imagine this man, short, stuttering, with eye problems, easily accused of being no proper representative of God at all, but instead he was the apostle. Of the Gentiles. And he would by the power of God. Minister. What? Grace. Grace and truth. In the church in Corinth. As he had when he first appeared. So many years before. And they were all idolaters. And sinners of the Gentiles. But had been radically transformed. By the power of God through his words well what a what a blessing there's so many ways to apply this to our own lives aren't there I think the most important thing is just to rejoice we now may reign in life by one man right Jesus Christ to reign in life having received the abundance of his grace praise God are we reigning in life I pray and hope and believe that we are as the Lord uses our weakness to manifest for it his great strength. Are there any questions or comments before we pray today? Hope this has been a blessing to you. Certainly has been to me. Well, Lewis did mention that uh, when he read this morning, that you said this would uh, be
1: second in that. And uh, that's what I definitely got out of that today.
0: Amen amen well really glad we could be together i mean and spend this time gone way over time i can apologize but this is such as it is here we are next time we'll finish our overview of the themes uh in second corinthians uh as we look at the teachings the doctrine paul does teach doctrine in second corinthians right and it's so important for us to know it any other comments before we close today? Patty?
1: Well, I just, um, I think that this uh, truth that we are living letters of of the truth of God. Yeah. Living letters of the life in Christ. Living letters of the grace of God at work. And um, it's very, just very encouraging. Also very much in contrast with um, how the world measures success and even how many churches measure um, obedience and, and um, you know, pleasing God. And as you mentioned, Jerry, being accountable to one another. We are accountable to God, and he is at work through our weakness writing a living letter.
0: Amen. Amen. Praise God. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you do write your word on our hearts and and uh, that does transform us. One step at a time. We're not finished. Yet, because you're not finished <laughs> with your great work in us. And when you call us into glory, that's the place where you'll be finished with that work in us. And uh, we look forward to that, Father, and may we uh, indeed love that appearing. May we love that appearing with a perfect love uh, that we may at that time receive the great gift. <laughs> oh, my, that's been promised to all who love his appearing so father uh, we rejoice in our lord jesus christ and all that he has accomplished for us may we be those living letters uh, and have the words that are sensitive kind understanding but still bold for your truth uh, day by day as you bring us in contact with those that desperately need to hear uh, and be saved and others father that know you but need to know the wonders Of your grace better. And we would ask that, Father, in Christ's name and amen.